It'll turn your attention, first of all, to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. I'm going to read two distinct portions of Scripture today. John, chapter 3, verse 1. Says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom flipping to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read the first four verses of Acts chapter 2, which says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set up on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I want to preach for just a little bit today on this thought, a new birth and a new beginning. A new birth and a new beginning. Unfortunately, in my life, I have had a, an abundance of jobs, most of them before I was 23 and, and married. Something about marriage maybe helped me be a little more faithful and steady to jobs, but man, when I, when I was a teenager, I got my first job at 15, and I, was going, I went to work at McDonald's. I was there about three weeks, and I got a better offer. I mean, back then, it was, the minimum wage was, I think, three thirty-five, and uh, we got like one free meal or part of, you know, on our shift, and, you know, and I liked McDonald's, but Burger King was better, but I could get the job at McDonald's, and so three thirty-five an hour, and having to work inside, and then I got this better offer, and off I went to the next job, making four whole dollars an hour cash, working 12-hour shifts for a trucking company, and I was rolling in the dough. But, you know, when you get jobs, and, and from that time on, I mean, I was like, I think I've worked just about every fast food place out there. But when you're, when you're going to a job, getting there the first day is not the goal. The goal of the job is to show up day after day. So getting a job is not really what you're after. Staying at a job is what you're after. It's not just enough to show up and clock in, but you actually have to follow through and do something. Though showing up is just the beginning of the process. It's not the end goal. I was talking to my son the other day, back in the beginning of January, we were looking for a treadmill, and you couldn't find a treadmill anywhere. They were super expensive, or they were sold out in stores. Nobody on Facebook Marketplace had a treadmill now it's May. New Year's resolutions have come and gone. People got through the first three weeks of the year, and they no longer were going to do all of those things that they said they were going to do. How many of you have been like that? You make a resolution, about two weeks in, you're done with it? Anybody besides me? I, I, I've lost weight every January, forever. I've managed to gain it back by the third week of the month. 
So it's not just having or making a resolution. That's not the goal. Sticking with it and, and follow through, that is the goal. That is what you're trying to accomplish. In fact, showing up on the first day of school is not all that big, big of a deal. It's about whether you finish and whether you continue to go through. I was talking before church telling somebody that I'm a kindergarten dropout. I went to three different kindergartens for one week at a time, and then I dropped out of kindergarten. I managed to get back into first grade without finishing kindergarten, and here I am today, and I'm so SMRT, I can hardly stand it. For those of you, never mind. But it's not, the goal isn't just to go to school, the goal is to finish school, but even then, finishing school is not really the goal. If you graduate kindergarten, that's great. But now you've got 12 more years of school that you have to go through. So that's, getting out of kindergarten is not the end result that you're after. Finishing high school is the end result. But, but even then, finishing high school in the day and age in which we live, that's not really the end goal. Now you have to go to college. But going to college and graduating college, that's not the goal. It's not just to say, I, I've graduated college. But the goal of going to college is so that you can get a job in a field that you like and you can make money and you can support your family. That's the object that we're after. It's not just education for education's sake, but it's education is a means to accomplish an end. And so graduating high school or middle school or kindergarten, that's just one step along the way. And instead of looking at it as the end goal, it's just the beginning of the next phase of our lives. In all of these things, sometimes if we're not careful, we look at achieving a certain thing as being the end goal. And we miss that it is really just the beginning stage of what we are after. I'm going to preach a message, as I said, about a new birth and a new beginning. And you can, you can view the new birth through a variety of perspectives and a variety of lenses. It is the end of an old way of life but it's also the beginning of a new way of life. That you're saying, I'm, I'm putting all of these things behind me and now I'm starting on this new path. That the new birth is not just the end of itself, it's the beginning of a new path and a new walk with God and a new way of doing things. It's the end of the old way, it's the beginning of the new way, it's the, the end of my will and the beginning of me following His will. It's the, the end of me doing things like I've always done and now to begin to do things like God wants me to do. And in fact, I could take it a step further and I could say it is the end of living for the present and it is the beginning of living for eternity. That no more am I going to, to live for just the moment and just the temporal things of life, but now I am beginning this relationship with Jesus Christ and I am living for eternity. Because the reality is, is that just coming into a moment of decision or having faith in Jesus Christ or experiencing the new birth, while that is important, it is not the end goal. It is just the beginning. The context of John chapter 3 is this early on. It's in the beginning part of Jesus' ministry. And you know this, many of you know this already, but Jesus wasn't liked by the religious leaders. Of his day. Jesus changed the status quo. He challenged the status quo. And, and when he would come to an area, 
he would oftentimes talk about the things that the religious leaders were doing wrong. Just like God did in the Old Testament where he would say, you know, your, your lips are saying the right thing, but your heart is far from me. And Jesus would repeat those kinds of things and say, you know, you look really good on the outside. But he, he would say, you're just whited sepulchers. What that means in modern day vernacular is you are just painted tombs. You, you look really good on the outside, but inside it's just a tomb. It's just where dead things are. There's nothing living on the inside. And, and he, would, he would always uh, go at, be at odds with the religious leaders. And maybe it was because they were at odds with him. They didn't like what he would have to say. And into that mix and into that kind of culture that he's in, we find our text that some could see beyond all of that and they recognized that there was something different about Jesus. It is the passage that we read in John chapter 3 that Nicodemus, he is a member of the Sanhedrin. He is one of the 70 ruling elders in Jerusalem or in, in the Jewish faith and he comes to Jesus by night because he doesn't want anybody to see him and anybody to know that he's talking with Jesus because the rest of the Sanhedrin, they're against him. The rest of the Sanhedrin, are, they're, not, they're not happy with what Jesus is saying. And from this text and from Acts chapter 2, I, I want to draw five truths about the new birth for you today. The first is this, is that the new birth is Jesus' primary focus. It is his primary focus. When Nicodemus comes to him, he says this, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Just right off the bat, he said, man, we know that you are come from God. You're doing miracles, you're doing wonders, you're doing signs. Nobody can do that unless God is with him. Now understand, and, 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 and maybe this will help, help you out when you're reading the Bible, understand that we never have or seldom would have all of a conversation. We don't have all of a sermon. Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount that he preaches in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it takes you about 15 minutes to read it. It's a safe assumption that Jesus preached longer than 15 minutes. That's why I'm going to do it today. So we don't have everything that Jesus said. We don't have everything that the apostles said when it records them preaching. And, and so it's a safe assumption that we may not have everything in this conversation. But God gives us what he wants us to have and what he wants us to know. And, and into that context, he says this, when, when Nicodemus says, we know that you're a man come from God because nobody can do this unless God is with him. Jesus immediately jumps to the new birth. He doesn't talk about his origin. He doesn't try to prove that he really is from God. He doesn't say, yep, you're right. He doesn't do any of that, but what he does is immediately he jumps to the new birth because it is his primary focus. Nicodemus, in, in our text, doesn't ask how to get to heaven. He doesn't say, Jesus, you came from heaven, so tell me how to get there. He doesn't do any of that. But Jesus, in essence, he acknowledges that, yes, he has come from God, and if Nicodemus wants to go there, then he needs to be born again. The actual Greek translation, instead of born again, really should be translated born from above. If you want to go to heaven or you want to see heaven, 
You need to be born from above. It can't be an earthly birth. It has to be a birth that is from above. And Jesus immediately goes to this because it is his primary focus. And what I would tell you is if it's Jesus' primary focus, it should be our primary focus as well. That in conversations we have, we should make the new birth a primary focus. Let me tell you how to go and see Jesus. Let me tell you how to get to heaven. We should look for opportunities to shift every conversation to a spiritual conversation with those who do not know Jesus or those who are far from him. Every conversation with someone who is not bound for heaven should be viewed as an opportunity to share the gospel. In fact, Jesus, he does this with the woman at the well. She's talking about water, and he just segues to living water. Well, let me, if you knew who it was that's asking you for a drink, you'd be asking me. He took that natural moment. She's just talking about drawing water from a well. She just, and he takes it and turns it and says, let me tell you about living water. You and I should do the same thing. Jesus and Nicodemus, they were having a spiritual conversation, and Jesus took it to the, to the new birth. In the next chapters, I just mentioned in John 4, they're having a natural conversation, and Jesus takes it to a spiritual conversation. Peter and John at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3, the beggar, he's just wanting alms, just give me money, and they turn it to a spiritual thing, and the miraculous occurs. Acts chapter 19, Paul, he meets these disciples in Ephesus, I don't know what they're doing. It doesn't say anything about it. He just runs into them and he takes it to a spiritual conversation. That he's looking for, they are looking for opportunities to share the gospel with people. Everybody in this room, I would venture to say, would agree with this statement. I want to be like Jesus. In fact, I've met very few that would say they didn't want to be like Jesus. In fact, even atheists who don't believe that Jesus is God or believe in God at all can't find anything wrong with Jesus. He's a good man. He's a good teacher. It wouldn't be a problem to be like Jesus. So I would tell you, if you want to be like Jesus, then you and I must share the gospel. We must share this new birth message with everybody we can. There is a... An analogy that is drawn in marriage counseling and various marriage works, and you may have heard it, it says men are like waffles, women are like spaghetti. Anybody ever heard that? So what that means is this, is that men have a tendency, and now it's not true for every man, and the spaghetti is not true for every woman, okay? Typically, though, this is the way it works. It's that for men, they're like very segmented. Like a waffle. You ever, you're pouring syrup on your waffle, and you can, you can only get it on half the waffle if you want. It's not going to run. You could just put a little drop of syrup in every, you know, every other one, man, make a nice design, play tic-tac-toe, whatever. That what men have a tendency to do is they like, well, this is what I do at work. This is what I do at home, and this is what I do at church, and this is what I do when I'm having fun, and this is what I do on Saturday. 
And none of them infect each other, and there's no carryover and no overlap. And so what's going on at work? Eh, no big deal. I just put that over here. Man, but everything's great at home. Or it's Saturday. I don't care what's going on at home. Man, I'm going fishing. They have a tendency to segment things. Women, on the other hand, they say they're like spaghetti, that everything affects everything. Spaghetti is all intertwined. It's all mixed up. It's all touching, touching each other. Not that women are mixed up. But everything affects everything else. That every part of your life affects everything else. And what I would tell you is this, is that when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, we should be more like spaghetti. That we should be more like Jesus affects everything in our lives. That every aspect of life is impacted and affected by Jesus. It's not just what I do on Sunday, or it's not just what I do in morning devotion. It's every aspect and part of my life is all about Jesus. That everything becomes about Jesus. That Jesus should permeate everything we do and everything we say. The mission of Jesus should be at the forefront of everything we do. And as I was preparing this, I, I was thinking through this, and Paul in Corinthians, he, he quotes Isaiah 49 and 8, and he says, Today is the day of salvation. That's good preacher language, by the way. I've heard preachers all my life, man, when they're preaching a salvation message, today is the day of salvation. But what caught my attention as I thought about that is that every day should be the day of salvation in your life. That every day you're finding somebody to share the gospel with and it's the day of salvation for them because you're giving them an opportunity to respond to the gospel. It shouldn't be after two years or three years and I finally get around to sharing the gospel and go, oh, now today's the day of salvation. It should have been yesterday and the day before that and six months ago when you were having a conversation. Every day that you've been around them should be the day of salvation, not when you finally get around to sharing Jesus with them. If we want to be like Jesus, this new birth must be our primary focus. Jesus says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was why he came. That is why you and I are here, to seek and to save that which is lost. I've got four points. I'm going to hurry through these. The second truth is this, is that the new birth requires water baptism. When Jesus tells him you have to be born again or born from above, Nicodemus doesn't get that. He doesn't understand or comprehend what he means. And he says, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And so Jesus then explains what he means by being born again or being born from above. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he breaks that born again down into two aspects. The first is this, is that you have to be born of water or you have to be baptized in water. Baptism was normative in Judaism. It wasn't a new thing. Jesus didn't come and just invent baptism on the fly. The Jews had been doing this for a long time. John didn't come just preaching this. 
the brazen laver in the, the tabernacle and then the temple was a foreshadowing of that cleansing that would take place in the waters of baptism. The priest would, would offer the sacrifice on the altar and then he would go and he would wash in the brazen laver and then he would take the blood and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, symbolic of what was going to take place in that new birth experience that was to come. It was, it was a, tip of, a type of what was going to come. But the Jews did baptism all the time. It was called the mikvah. It was a ceremonial cleansing. Some of them did it every week before they would go to synagogue or definitely before they would make a pilgrimage to the temple or the tabernacle. They would do a ceremonial cleansing in water. Similar to baptism, it was an act of preparation for entering into the presence of God. It was done frequently. In fact, they even had to do it in what was called moving water. They couldn't do it in just a pool of water. It had to be moving water. But John, when he comes, he takes that mikvah and he, and he changes it a little bit. And he said, it's not just a ceremonial cleansing. He says, this baptism that I'm doing, it is to a sign of repentance, getting ready for the Messiah who is going to come. And so he baptizes everybody he can. And he even comes and baptizes Jesus. And Jesus says that he has to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. He himself goes down into waters of baptism, partly out of the, the natural and the normal mikvah cleansing that they would do in baptism, but partly as a sign for you and I that we needed to be baptized. That we need to do, if, if Jesus needed to be baptized, you and I need to be baptized. But John's baptism, it was a sign of of repentance and preparation for what was to come, which was the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, if you want to see heaven, see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born of water. Secondly, he says, if you want to see heaven, you must be born of the Spirit, signifying this new birth experience that the new birth requires, Holy Spirit baptism just as with water baptism there is this essential element of being filled with the spirit of god that you don't get to heaven apart from being filled with his spirit john the baptizer he promised and he prophesied that he who comes after me will baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire he says it's going to happen the messiah is going to do this jesus promised the same he kept saying things like, the comforter's coming, it's the helper is going to come and be with you when I go away. The Spirit's going to lead and guide you into all truth. The Spirit would be the source of living water. The Spirit would empower us for service. The apostles proclaimed the Spirit would determine who belonged to Jesus. Paul recorded it this way, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That apart from having the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you do not belong to Jesus, is what Paul said. I didn't say it. Paul says. Any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The Spirit gives us supernatural gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. The Spirit gives us resurrection power. If the Spirit that dwelt in Christ dwell in you, it shall also raise or quicken your mortal body. That on that day when the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes again, it's the Spirit living inside of us that's going to resurrect us and take us to heaven. 
If you don't have the Spirit of God, you're not going according to what the Scripture says. The Spirit enables us to live as Jesus wants us to live. The new birth requires water baptism. It requires spirit baptism. Fourthly, the new birth is required for all people. When Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he doesn't say unless you are born again. He doesn't use that language. He uses this language, unless one. One in this context means anyone. Unless a person is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He cannot see it, he says first, and then he says he cannot enter it secondly. So it is required for all people. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, and I read Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 120 people were in an upper room. In that 120, there was Peter and James and John and Bartholomew and Matthias and all of these 11 apostles plus Matthias, who is the newest one who takes Judas's place. But it's not just those 12. There's 108 others, and in that 108 others is Mary, the mother of Jesus. The one who gave birth to the Messiah, she too was told to go and wait for the promise of the Father. Wait in Jerusalem and don't leave until the Spirit comes. Wait there for this to happen. I am amazed at various people, maybe I could even say it in a broader brush, denominations or movements that will look at the book of Acts and say, yes, that's what happened. And that's what Jesus told them they needed to have, they must have. He commands them, do not leave until this happens. You need this. And then they will either make the statement or make the action like they needed it, but I guess I don't. Peter needed it. And you think you're better than Peter, so you don't need it. I would just say that means you probably really need it. (laughs) If the mother of the Messiah needed it, then you need it. Everybody you know needs it. They need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It is required for all people. I already read it to you. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you are none of His. Lastly, I would say this, that the new birth is the marker of a new beginning. Jesus continually told people that he was going to send the promise of the Father. He said, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But the goal of the coming of the Spirit was not the end goal. That the infilling of the Spirit was not the end. And you mark it off your list and say, I have now arrived, I've checked it all off. That's not the end goal. 
The coming of the Spirit was empowerment for service. It was to lead and guide into all truth. It was to transform a person's life so that they would live and be different than they were before. It was the beginning of a real walk with Jesus. Beginning of a new phase of Jesus reaching the world through people. Jesus had ascended. He's not walking around teaching. He's not walking around sharing the good news. Now he is coming in the power of the Holy Spirit so that you and I could walk around telling people the good news. So that you and I could walk around teaching. So that you and I could walk around doing signs, miracles, and wonders. It is the beginning of something that should be transformative and different in our life. God's plan was always that people would reach people with the gospel. As the musicians come, understand that the new birth was Jesus' primary focus. It requires water baptism. It requires Holy Spirit baptism. It is required for all people. And it is the marker of a new beginning. The goal isn't just to experience the new birth. A friend of mine, I, he, he was raised, and I'll just say he was raised Catholic. He may be watching today. But I, I finished up a Bible study with him. And this Bible study, I, I walked through the Bible study. It was a two-day Bible study. And he and I had been meeting for a while, building relationship. In fact, the day I met Bill, this particular friend, he said, man, if you need a church, you need to check out Cross Church. And He gave a good plug for me, better than probably I deserved. And I met Bill that day. And but he was, raised, he was raised Catholic, and of course, being raised Catholic, growing up, he was very faithful to the, the Catholic Church and did all the things and when we got to the end of this Bible study and I had walked him through the new birth process as Jesus laid it out to Nicodemus and as it plays out in the, the book of Acts his first words were when I, when I asked him I said so here's what I think you need to do. We're sitting in a Chick-fil-A. And I said, you need to be baptized. You need to receive the Holy Spirit. I said, probably not going to have you just pray right here in Chick-fil-A. I said, but you can make the decision today to be baptized the way they do it in the Bible. By immersion in the name of Jesus of sins he said man I thought I had that that box checked off but he realized that what he had done as a, an infant when they sprinkled him with water wasn't really Bible baptism he said I, I need to get baptized 
launch Sunday, September 15, 2019, we baptized him over at Green Springs. He received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the water. But that was not the end goal. It's not just the I've checked the box that I've done it. Everything is good. That new birth is just the beginning. And and if I could say it this way, you don't go through nine months of pregnancy and labor say, all right, we've been there, done that. A natural birth is just the beginning. Now you're raising a child to teach them how to live on their own and how to be a responsible, God-fearing adult and for them to raise kids and raise their family to do the same. The goal is not just having a birth. So it is with the new birth. That's not just the goal. And all too often I I have seen people come and experience the new birth. Go, I've been there, done that, I've got the t-shirt. And they move on to something else. But it's just the beginning of what God wants to do. I've told you this over and over, it's in the Bible, that the the Holy Spirit is just the earnest of our inheritance. It's just the down payment of what is to come. It's just a little glimpse of what we're going to get when we spend eternity with Jesus. But right now, until we get there, our goal isn't just to say we've experienced a new birth. Our goal is to live for Him. Our goal is to be on mission for Him. Our goal is to make everything in life about Jesus Christ. 